This is Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast, a very special CONCACAF Champions League semifinal edition. I'm Max. There's Vince. We saw LAFC in Philadelphia play in the greatest game in MLS history, in my opinion. We get it again. And Vince, over the next week, we get it twice for a chance to play for continental supremacy. As a soccer nerd, a self-avowed soccer nerd, I'm so stoked that we can just talk about, like, we can really dig into this matchup. We're going to dig into both legs. MLS is out the window. The season will continue at some point, but we don't care about it for right now. We're going to we're gonna make sure that we look at this objective, and it's all about getting to the CCL final. And I love the chance to really dig in. Like, this is... This is for the soccer purists, this episode. So uh, we apologize if you normally like Max and I bantering about movies and other stuff. We're pretty much no. all, this is 99.9% soccer with just maybe the, the sprinkling of hijinks, but it's really a lot of soccer that we're digging into here. We are locked in and we have a very special guest as well, a man who has called some LAFC games as a plus one. Also a former member of the Philadelphia Union. He called the Philadelphia game this past weekend. Maurice Moadu will join us to break it down. He's also going to give us a combined LAFC Philadelphia Union 11. It's navigating tournaments hard. So, so many MLS clubs that you felt had a chance to lift this trophy, clip a hurdle along the way. LAFC and Philadelphia did not. And when we saw the bracket, you kind of circled. That's a possibility. Here we are. This says a lot about the two teams that have made it this far. And now, like if it's a UEFA Champions League or it's a World Cup, when you look at the bracket and you get the matchup you want, it says a lot about the teams. These two teams made it that way. LAFC did it crystal clear. Philadelphia relatively clear with a tougher road because they had to get by Atlas. Here they are. And now they you get, you got to take advantage of it. You got to take advantage because you don't know when you'll be back here again. If you've only been focused on LAFC at this point, we don't blame you as an LAFC fan, but we will help you understand why Philly is good, why they might be dangerous. And then, of course, we gave the toughest assignment to Mo. He's going to have to try to separate these players and put together a combined 11. Max, I'm very glad that you and I did not have to do that. We have got a great show, so enough of our jibber-jabbering. Let's get to it. Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast starts right now. Inside LAFC, we are going to get right into everything CCL. And we should, Vince, because this is this is a gift. This is just because you have two very good MLS teams in the competition doesn't mean they will meet in uh, such an important game like a semifinal. Uh, it happened last year when the Sounders in New York City FC. And I love the idea where you have a semifinal of MLS teams and then the other semifinals, two League MX teams. So you... You, you get Guaranteed. the final of both leagues and you kind of have two mini finals sort of uh, in, in that way. But it happened last year and Seattle won it. And this is a great opportunity. I think these are two very strong MLS clubs and a very, very good chance for Major League Soccer to win back-to-back CCLs, which would have sounded like science fiction just a few years ago mm-hmm. when it was not only Mexican clubs winning it, but me- all Mexico finals. So... You know, this is progress. We know there's going to be an MLS finalist. We're hoping it's LAFC, but this this is a scary situation because Philadelphia are playing their best soccer of the season. They came out of the gate slowly, 
Uh, they were so efficient against Atlas professional effort to get rid of a very good uh, Mexican team, which is just a couple rungs behind the other Mexican clubs, Tigres and Leon. And then LAC, which is just, you know, blitz this tournament. And granted, uh, they they haven't had the the harder path, as in the case they didn't have to face a Liga MX team. But they uh, everything that's put in their path has been um, as they've the Alawalenza was a little odd, but they they have been comfortably they've been very very good on the road and they put themselves in a good position for that second leg. We'll see if they can do that here. If they do, they're going to be in real good business. But this is a this is a tricky one. But I you know I think we always look for games where. Uh, a neutral MLS fan could look at a game and say, oh, I'll watch that other than watching my own team. And I think this is a great opportunity. I don't know whether droves of fans will go. We know there's a great number for MLS Cup. That's going to buoy people as well because of what they saw there. And the track record when these two clubs is that there's not much separating them. And now you have some bad blood, certainly from the Philadelphia perspective. It all puts it into a really exciting pot. But this is a, as a matchup on its own, right at the top of the list in the history of the CCL in uh, uh, for, from an MLS perspective. Yeah. I think of the, the thought like what you just did there was dig through all the layers of why this is a compelling matchup and you did not have to engineer any of them. Right. Like the no. narrative, the narrative does not have to be created here. You just think back to just a couple months ago, MLS cup final and everything that it had everything, right. We had, uh, we had lots of goals, we had individual performances. We had extra time. We had a shootout. We had a red card. Um, it's all right there. So really, like for you and I and the people out there creating promotions for this, you don't really have to do much. Just let just remind people that this game is on and they will be watching. And I, I agree with you, Max. I think we're in some settings when you have two MLS teams, you're not super excited for it because you feel like the public might say, well, I get to see MLS teams in a weekly basis. I would rather get a Liga MX team so that it's interesting to travel and interesting to have their fans at our stadium. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think when when we go to Philly, there's going to be quite a contingent of people that want to go there, let alone the Philly fans that will pack that stadium. And then when they come back here, it's not going to be like your normal midweek uh, early in CONCACAF where the stadium's pretty full and it's loud, but it's not quite to capacity. I think this is going to be full capacity because of uh, the history between these two teams. But I, I don't net naturally love rematches because games get a little bit cagey, but if you had two teams that you wanted to rematch, it would be these two because they refuse to change their style of play. They go into every single matchup anywhere in the world and they say, this is the way we play. Uh, we have a default setting. Yes, we can put some na tactical nuances in and around it um, because we have good coaches, but this is what we're going to do. And I think that's what's so exciting because, yeah, generally you have – uh, two MLS teams and maybe one is just like, oh, we're happy to be here, but guys, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, mess up anything that we have going on in the regular season. Whereas these two teams are like, no, this is this. I I think, sorry to to kind of slow myself down here. The biggest thing for me is this is like a chapter, or maybe it's a book. Like, but one way or another, these two teams, this was an important part of their season. And one will be going on to maybe make it the ultimate part of their season. And one will just have to close the book on this part of their season. And, and one will miss their objective and one will reach it. And I think that that is really, really important in this, in this context. Uh, and I think MLS should be excited. I'm not saying uh, root for all MLS teams, but to your point, Max, MLS needs to win consecutive CONCACAF Champions Leagues to make this a bigger product. 
um, akin to what Champions League is around the world. And so if we can get it done, uh, if ever it's going to be done, one of these two teams is probably going to be the one that helps uh, tack on to what the Sounders did last year. Yeah, I've watched CCL tournaments all the time, and there was always uh, – it, it felt like there was a gap, and sometimes it was really big. And what we've seen from, like, Philadelphia, who went to Guadalajara and got that result at Atlas, so many times when they go on the road against the Mexican teams, not only would they lose, but it would get away from them, and they would lose by three aggregate, and you're like, oh, this is over. I mean, this wasn't that long ago when that happened. So MLS has closed the gap, and now they're – you know, if things go well – maybe they that gap is disappeared altogether. We won't get both that far, but it's certainly trending in that direction. But when, when this happened, because of what I knew about the CCL, I would always ask myself, yeah, a lot has changed since the end of last season and teams could be different. Maybe they had to sell a player. Uh, they, maybe they don't want to prioritize the CONCACAF Champions League because it can decimate an MLS campaign. Uh, Seattle won it last year. They didn't make the playoffs. There's a, a good case in point. But this is a rare opportunity where those clubs kind of stayed intact. Well, we shouldn't say that LAFC did have, you know, did without Chicho Arango and Gareth Bale, but we're very quick to recoup and build a squad that is on par. And Philadelphia were supposed to lose a couple guys and they stayed intact as well. And then they were serious about this tournament. Philadelphia had some some issues early on, but they seemingly have fixed them at the right possible time for that. So they're both very good, not too far removed from MLS Cup. And then I think of the emotions. I know this is an LAFC pod, but I can't imagine what's going on in Philadelphia and how they can ramp themselves up and go, remember what happened last time? You know, it's like, and how important it is for these guys to fix what happened. This is an opportunity to do that because it will lead to lifting the CONCACAF Champions League. And we don't know when you get back to this. You know, LAFC was there in 2020. And now a couple of years later, they're back in 2023. And when you're in tournaments like this, you're in the semifinals. When you're that close, uh, you've got to finish it. But there's only one team that will get that opportunity to do it. So when I when I think of this matchup and how we kind of when the bracket when the, the the bracket came out i said that would be great to see but it, it hasn't really happened in the history of this competition but it happened this year it's a great testament to these two clubs and that uh pursuit of excellence that they've had so all the pieces fell in place because again it, it, it nothing is guaranteed one of these teams could have gone whoop, easily based on what's happened in the past mm -hmm. but they don't and that just shows you how strong they are yeah, Bob Bradley told me that once about semifinals. He said that they're weird games because, yes, when you get into a final, you know that ultimately this is it. Uh, lay it out all on the line. He said semifinals are interesting because there's a chance that you don't make it one step short, and that actually makes you feel that much you're you're more bitter uh, in a lot of ways. And that's why semifinals become either really really great contests or just really nervy contests because uh, players don't. You get in the final and it's it's not like you let up um, and you're like, oh, we made it. No, nothing that happens from here. But there is some pride in reaching a final. Just reaching a final, you should be proud of. Now, losing the semifinal, you get not, you get nothing. You really get nothing out of that. So I think that's what's going to make this game interesting. And nothing in sports uh, motivates a team quite like losing, honestly. Um, and having <laughs> lost a, 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 a final to LAFC, Philly, I think you would say when you're going into this, the motivation – you got to maybe you got to tip it a little bit into Philly because they can get fired up on the fact that they feel aggrieved in what happened in MLS Cup, whereas LAFC is like, 
Hey, it's a, we did it. Vince, it's one thing to lose MLS Cup, but nobody, you cannot imagine what it's like to lose it the way they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, we were in that stadium and I remember cataloging, we're down 3-2 and I'm like, okay, now what happens next year? We're, we're going to have to cancel this parade. Uh, so how do we spin it towards it? It was a great season. And then all of a sudden, boom. And then I go, oh, Philadelphia is now going to have to cancel the, you know, it was there. Mm-hmm. This is the rarity of sports where they they had it. So that has had to motivate them. It's going to make them a dangerous team. It also means that they could have gone the other direction, which they haven't. I mean, they have fortified it and everything they have done is put them in this position, it makes them very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And now they, now they face this game and they're like, this is what we wanted. We want another shot at these guys and we get it. And that also has the fascinating element for LAFC who knows they have this angry, angry, uh, animal at their doorstep. Uh, there's no way you can take away MLS Cup heading in the semifinal. It's going to f- manifest itself in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I think if we ask Steve Trondolo today or a lot of the players, maybe their their counterpoint to that is, well, every game we play in, we feel like we've got a target on our backs and the team has some kind of axe to grind with us, whether it was a loss in MLS Cup final or a blowout win, a blowout loss at some other point. So maybe let's, let's put that, let's put that aside, the motivation aside, because it is so hard. Like you said, I agree with you. I can't, I cannot imagine what, what that felt like and how they harnessed it, but, but good points in the, in the regard of, yeah, they could have fallen flat and just continued to sink and they didn't. So that's a, that's a point in their favor, but what outside of that, what, what concerns you about playing this Philly team? Like what, what on the field, is there a player? Like when you look at this, you say, I don't like that. It's uh, Gazdag is such a Daniel Gazdag is such a really good support engine for everything that they do. And it's, you know, he's kind of that glue guy. They play a certain style. It's very difficult. Um, when we've spoken to Steve Chirundolo and they, you know, when they do it, they're like, Oh, you know, it's going to be some heavy lifting to play this kind of team. Uh, they, they have quality at every, at every place they have, you know, you know, most people would agree that Andre Blake, whether he is that now, has been the best goalkeeper the last five, six years in this league. They have uh, Glesnes and Elliott, who were, you know, who granted there was three goals in MLS Cup and and Elliott is, was part of that poster with Gareth Bale. But these are guys that through and through in these MLS uh, games and tournaments like this have held their own. Very, very good. All, all kind of amongst the best partnerships and among individually one of the best defenders. Uh, Kai Wagner was supposed to be headed to Europe. He's still there. Mm-hmm. And Chiqui Palacios and him compete for who's the best left back. And Jose Martinez, a guy who can wrap it all together the way Ilya Sanchez does. I think that's what concerns me is there's a lot of similarities. There's different styles, but there's similarities in the players. And then you have these dangerous attacking options. Uh, they can throw a lot at you. And we've seen Carranza score against LFC. And Gazdag scores against everyone. This, it's the thing about Philadelphia is, and much how it is with LAFC. There's no real weak spots. It's it's good. They even have depth. They have great kids like Jack McGlynn and who kind of fills in those gaps as well. They have experience. Uh, they and they have a really good coach. There's, it's it's that weird kind of uh, mirror image in many ways that makes it has to create fear when you see this Philadelphia team. 
Gazdag is interesting because he allows them to do a lot of interesting things. And that that would be where my concern is too. Not maybe not specifically Gazdag, but in how he combines into that that front three. Not a lot of teams play with two dedicated forwards. And actually, oddly enough, this weekend, Nashville changed their structure to have like two forwards and then Fafa Pico kind of fill in like a, in a Gazdag role. So I don't know if he did it, you know, it obviously helped in their first half, but Gary Smith maybe did Steve Trundle a little bit of a favor by uh, mirroring the team that he might see. But I, I think the concern is when you look at it and you look at this LFC team and yes, they were rotating. So um, maybe some of the advantages that uh, Gary Smith engineered there were, won't be the quite the same when you get a, a unit that works better in playing out, but the understanding of when to play out and when to play long is going to be important here. And what lacked in that first half for LAFC is they couldn't play out and then they couldn't play long. They, they literally, the the as much as Bogish and Stipe stepped up the next level in the second half, they could not hold the ball and get that team forward. And I think that's the biggest concern. If Gazdag, Carranza, and Ua uh, can create pressure to where LAFC can't find solutions to play through the middle and they can't really find angles and time to lift up their head and play that, that you know, ball over the top to where, it, it, it's one thing to play the ball over the top. It's another to hold it and then move your team forward. Um, it's not a, it's not just a, a cure all. You've got to be able to, to actually hold the ball and control the game. Cause if you just start sending long balls, Philly, uh, they've got two towers back there and Glesnes and Elliot, they'll gobble those up and guess what they'll do. They'll ram it right back down your throat because they don't care about sending one. You know, they don't, when they win those balls back, they're not going to then go, okay, we'll start again. No, no, they'll throw it, throw it right back up there and say, God's dog. Ooh, Carranza, get at it, get after it. And those guys, they relish it. I think that was the one thing that I took away from MLS Cup. Um, not in the moment. I had to re-watch it. But watching Philly and the way they relish those second balls. And like you get forwards that sometimes are like, ah, they're throwing up their hands. They're like, guys, come on. Can someone just play it to my feet? Make it easy on me? Not these guys. <laughs> Man, they get they they. It's get, hard work. It's hard work and they get at it and they love it. Um, and they work together. They work in tandems. It's never one guy. It's like, just like a pack of Raptors just going after you. And it's, it's difficult. So that would be my, that would be my biggest concern as well as how does LAFC find solutions? And they're gonna have to do it in both ways. I think you, uh, you're going to have to play long sometimes. And sometimes you're going to have to try to find uh, Ilya and your midfield to, to vary it up. Because if you don't Philly's just going to stay on the front foot and it's over two legs. Oh, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. Let's let's ask about what LAC is doing well right now, and we we we're not touching too much on the Nashville game. You did there a little bit, but this was a heavily rotated, maybe as heavily rotated, a team with Daniel Maldonado and Eric Duenas, and you mentioned uh, Bogush and Stipe Buke getting the start. Bogush who just arrived, so it was going to be a bit choppy, and we saw that in the game. All that said, LAFC were able to get uh, a point on the road, stay unbeaten, which you know has its has its value really for this club. But I think when we, you, you kind of have to slightly remove the Nashville game because of that. Uh, Denny Buanga is a mutant. So he just keeps playing 90 minutes, you know, like the rest of us eat Tic Tacs. It's, it's, that's the way it is. It's just, he's a, a crazy talent and the crazy motor. He'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So that is what he scored the goal. Obviously he's been so consistent at scoring goals in the CCL and MLS. He has been the MVP of the CCL there. So that is something that LAFC is doing well. I think uh, the top of the list, which has made them such a good tournament team for me, is the improved defense. And we will see, you know, Aaron, we'll get some details on Aaron Long, who didn't travel with the team. We'll 
Jesus Murillo, Giorgio Chiellini are all options there. But the fact that they don't give up a lot of goals and not really too many great opportunities either. Uh, you know, the Galaxy, I mean, I guess when you look at the Galaxy game and some of those things, they, they did towards look, the end of the game. Yeah, those were at the end of the game and it was a unique circumstance being a rivalry. But when you look at the full body of work, this defense has been as good as any LAFC defense we have seen. They're tidy, they get clean sheets, and they have depth, and they can they have options in many positions. They defend their box extremely well, which is going to be important against Philadelphia, who likes to get runners in the box and arrive and cause chaos there. I, I, I think the layer that I would add on to that, what LFC has been doing really well is they have match winners. They just in in moments, if you get into moments with LFC, and, and what I mean by moments is just a uh an action in the game where like the better talented player usually comes out on top. Like it's don't talk about tactics. Don't talk about formations. Just talk about high end talent and LAFC not only has high end talent, but it's also performing, right? It's one thing to have it. It's another thing for it to actually uh, come to fruition. And I think in a lot of ways, this LFC team in tournaments reminds me a little bit of a Real Madrid team. Whereas, yeah, they, they have a foundation in which they don't really give up a lot of chances they're not really doing anything super crazy to you tactically, but because they're not giving up a lot of chances, then they can just play with their talent and say, guys, when the moment arrives, go out there and win us a game. And that's kind of what you saw against Nashville. And you've seen a lot this season is LAFC has the high end talent that if they keep things tight in the back, which they have pretty much all season, um, they're, they're going to find a way, whether, and it doesn't even need to be a big uh, opening, right? Just a little crack of the door. Somebody is probably going to score a goal, whether it's Denny Buanga Carlos Vela, they just have so many match winners, and that's what LFC is doing well. But it it all is predicated on, as you said, the defense. Because if you're leaking goals, it's not going to matter how often your your uh, star winger get, gets you uh, level. You got to win. You got to win matches. And I think the defense has really set the foundation for to allow the guys like Denny Buanga to go out there and be superstars. I love that point, Vince. And it's it's. It's easy, maybe back in the day for LAFC, you know, Jim Curtin of Philadelphia says we've got to we've got to maintain what Carlos Vela is doing. But this year they have two distinct match winners, which is one more than one and changes everything. Denny Buwanga was the MLS Player of the Match Day in Week Seven. Carlos Vela was the MLS Player of the Match Day in Week Eight. This is uh, unprecedented. You were you could do that, and you equally have to be cautious of both. And that's going to make things very difficult in the preparation for Philadelphia because you can't say, well, we're going to find ways to contain Denny Buwanga. I think they really have – that's probably the most important because Buwanga getting vertical can cause so many problems. Uh, that's probably the first order of business. But the second you, – you, you know, Carlos Vela, the way he uh, had played in that Galaxy game you and the way he is going to get up for this, this semifinal, this is what he came here to do. He came here to win trophies. And now he can win this biggest one at the expense of League MX and perhaps play at the Club World Cup. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but that makes these two guys very dangerous. Uh, let's look at the tactical matchups a bit and see where it is. What are the matchups that you think will determine this game? For me, it's, um, you know, Philly is going to push their fullbacks Forward, especially Kai Wagner. He's going to get really high up the pitch. They love to kind of vacate that space. I remember talking with Jordan Harvey about it. He said that they'll literally just vacate the left side and say, Wagner, you've got those 30 yards to eat up. Use it any way you see fit. 
And he, he can either send in an early ball, he can dribble forward to really put you under pressure. But the flip side of that is if he's forward, who's counterbalancing? Is it, is it Martinez? Is it one of the other midfielders? And to your point, how do Bawanga and, and a lot of ways Vela too, because I want to point this out, Carlos, you, you need him to have assists and goals, but don't uh, undersell his ability to get you out of pressure. If he's a safety valve and he's winning balls and not just playing it directly back and recycling it. If he's winning balls and then being able to turn up field and move the team up field, that's going to put Philly under a lot of pressure. The flip side of that for LFC is that how, how can you be clean uh, in your back four? Because you know, there's going to be three guys on top of you at all times. Gazdag, Ua, and Karanza are going to be getting at you at every Ua coming off a hat trick also. Ua coming out. Yeah. So it's not just that the fact that they're going to work hard, they have then have quality to score and, and to finish off play. So it's one thing I think this LFC defense, what is maybe different than years past is they are willing to just get it out of danger. Um, but there's times where balls are going to be bouncing. It's it's, you got to make a clean play on it. If you, if you just tip a ball, sometimes you get away with it, not against Philly. You just tip a ball. They're going to be on top of it. And they're they're. It's not just that they win it. Then they're coordinated in their movements right after winning. They're so smart on where the next play is after winning it. So for me, the tactical battle is LFC on one side, getting behind uh uh Kai Wagner and and you know scoring goals but in verticality but also holding the ball and helping their team get forward and then on the flip side when Philly puts you under pressure what are your solutions are you able to play out um out of bounds in a clean way are you able to find a teammate how do you how do you win second ball so a lot of that comes down to intensity and just and, and focus that would have been mine too because I think we've seen that so many times where the space is there for LAFC to enter if they can get the ball with Kai Wagner a little further up. Um, they, they'll they tend to do that a bit with Harrell on the right side as well. So there is a place to exploit it. I think that's a, that's certainly the right answer. Uh, the midfield play, you know, a winning ball, uh, pressing and, and winning that ball back in, in, in a matchup that's going to have so much energy, I think is something that may be a little bit under the radar, but it's always prominent in games, whether it's this or any other games. And they have uh, such good midfielders. Uh, that that will be uh, a key. I, I want to spin it forward because this kind of relates to the next question is what what will mean that Philadelphia will advance? Let's answer that. Philly will advance if, and then LAFC would advance if. I will start with the Philadelphia one because I think I'm looking at the the track record here and it is Philly will advance if they pick up a ton of set pieces and they are able to convert them because I think they will be good at it because they can throw a lot of different things, including Glesnes with these long-range free kicks, the corner kicks as well. They have the two big guys, and they have uh, they have a lot of good options from those set pieces, whether the corner or the free kick. LFC has got to find a way to limit that. If if they don't, I think they could find themselves in some trouble. Yeah, Philly wants to play in spurts, right? They don't want these games of big open sequences where both teams are passing for a while and then, you know, the ball's not going out of play. It's it's beautiful football. They don't, no, they don't want that at all. They want to chop up the game, make it into smaller bits. And like you said, set pieces with the guys that they have. Uh, that's going to be huge. Yeah, I think uh, to play off that, Philly will win if there's chaos. Um, and, and like I said, if the, mo- if the game is choppy, um, if there's a lot of fouls, if the ball is going in and out of play, we're talking about one, two passes before it's getting into a, a, a team's defensive half. That's where Philly's going to thrive, and that's where they're going to find solutions to wear you down over two legs. 
LAFC will advance if I think there's so many things they can uh, certainly throw at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I mean, I've, I've been thrilled about how good LAFC have been with limiting mistakes, big mistakes. They've really been able to to limit that. And that is why they have been successful last year. That is why they've been able to do this this year. There is a real great team spirit about that. Uh, it could be something really small, but just like, I think they'll have chances. They certainly got to take those chances. I I would also imagine the the blueprint is pretty clear. Do your damage in that they've had a they've had the benefit of the same situation in each round of the CCL away for the first leg at home. Part of that is they earned it. Part of it is they got lucky with Vancouver. Vancouver was supposed to have the second leg, but they've used that to their benefit. And I think if LAFC can get out there. And be defensively tidy. They could put the they'll they'll put themselves in that position. Just look at what you've done before. Follow that blueprint. This is a much tougher opponent than you face. There's no doubt about it. But uh, be play a very smart game plan. Be aggressive when you have to, and go get those goals on away. Take your chances, and I think they'll have them. And they have the guys that could put them away. It's been the story all season long. Agreed. Yeah, big mistakes, obviously, in a two-leg tie um, were, you know, if MLS Cup is a CCL tie, 3-3 is going in favor of Philly, right? You can't be giving up road goals. So uh, you have to you have to avoid that this time around. Um, Haven't allowed one road goal thus far. Right. No, one. You you oh. allowed Alawente was the, the, you did allow two. Away though. Sorry, I'm saying yeah, you're right. Away they have not what I'm saying though is once they come home. Gotcha. I understand. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. We we were on the same page, just talking differently. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with the big mistake. And then my my add-on to that is uh stay connected. Um, and that means that's on both sides of the ball because like we've been talking about, second balls are gonna be a big part of this game. Um, and if you're stretched in those spaces and you allow Philly players to fill in those gaps, you're really gonna put your yourself under pressure. But the flip side of that is Sometimes you're going to want to get out of pressure and you're going to want to play it long. But if you continue to just have uh Buongo or let's say Mahala, you know, standing at the midfield, just r- ready to race forward and get forward without the rest of the team, that's going to wear you out too. So it's, it's a modicum of control um, and to stay connected, to find ways to move up as a team um, because this Philly team, when you get stretched, they love it. They just, they, they live for it. Um, and LAFC at times, um, and we've talked to Ilya about this. Sometimes it's hard because you, one guy is like, okay, we're going to press here. And the guy behind him goes, no, I don't think this is the moment to press. And then you lose, you lose that bit of connection or a guy says, okay, we got to go. We, we got space in behind. We got to go right here, but maybe it's not the right time. Cause you've already gone hundred miles an hour for the last 15 minutes. And maybe you just got to connect some passes. So that's one of those like kind of feel for the game. And that's really takes, uh, guys like Ilya, guys with level heads to really set the tempo and, and help the team understand this is the time to go. This is the time to stay. Uh, but if LAFC ultimately is able to be connected and have solutions where they have short passes and they have shorter distances, I think that Philly might struggle um, in trying to chase them um, and being over aggressive in, in those tight spaces. I would say LAFC can use some depth here. They were able to rest uh, guys over the weekend. Uh, if they're close to full health, this is this is an advantage for LAFC. I like what they have been able to – they've really been, created their own depth this season. Uh, very savvy with the additions. Uh, 
and and you've had minutes for guys like Stipe Buke. You even got Bogush in the mix here with some minutes. Timothy Tillman. Uh, you've gotten Jose Cifuentes um, uh, to play a bigger role here. That's important as well. You have the international date further removed, which is where Aaron Long as well as uh, Kellen Acosta participated. So I think the depth, if this gets into the deeper waters, is a benefit to Philly. I'm not saying Philly's not as, as a deeper squad, but LAFC, I think, has the edge there. They have they have a lot on their plate here, which should give them uh, a lot of confidence heading into this against a very good team. Yeah, I think uh, depth. Philly's depth is a lot of like for like, where I think LAFC can kind of change the game with their depth. Just case in point, Tillman, C. Fuentes. Uh, who you play or who you bring in later changes the complexion of the game. So I think LAFC, and this is assuming everyone's healthy. We know some guys didn't travel. It could just be precautionary. But if everyone's healthy, and we hope they are, because look, this is the reason why we're doing this is because this is it. This is the whole ball game here. The two. Two legs, back-to-back, no MLS games in between. MLS did, did a great job allowing these two teams to focus. And so you you hope that they're healthy and you just – like if you love that final, and I know everyone did because they're calling it the greatest final of all time, we get two of them. And the guys, the teams have to figure out how they deal with the fact that the game in Philly is only going to be halftime before you come to L.A. Um, and you just – you want them to have – you want the coaches to have every everything at their disposal because they really – in that final, it's felt like they had everything at their disposal and the changes they made. Obviously, you know, Steve has to bring in McCarthy for for Cropo. Uh Gareth Bale is able to come in. Like the just the the way that these two uh coaches can affect the game by by little changes or little tactical nuances, uh, is gonna be pretty great to watch over over 180 minutes. Oh, this is what we I know of watching these games so long, what I've always hoped for. Obviously, we're affiliated with LAFC, but if this was a neutral game, I would be enthralled by it because it's a sign that MLS is getting closer to arriving. Winning CCL was always the undiscovered country. Seattle made the breakthrough. Now MLS has a chance to show that it has the momentum, and I think it is. I do truly believe that the best two teams left in the competition will be playing in Philadelphia or Chester, Pennsylvania on Wednesday. Uh, And that is... It's going to set them up in such a good position here. You got to control the emotions, which I I don't think LSU will have a problem with. I think the emotions reside on Philadelphia's side Mm -hmm. for those things that we touched on. But there's so much on this plate. It's going to be absolutely riveting. Let's continue the preview, uh, Vince, with bringing a very special guest, a man who has called some LAFC games as a plus one, guy who has spent plenty of time with Philadelphia as a player, called their game over the weekend, Moa Du is going to join us here on Inside LAFC. We can hit him with some hard questions. We're going to ask him for a projected 11. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a very uh, projected LAFC Philadelphia uh, combined 11. That'll be coming up. It's Inside LAFC. We're getting you completely ready for one of the games in the history of LAFC. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Moa Du. The MVP podcast returns. A very special guest here on Inside LAFC, the MVP pod, a friend of the club, a man that I've called many LAFC games with together, including where uh, we got my got my ring. So it was I'll never forget that day, Mo. Even though you think I might have, when we did LAFC <laughs> Portland. I can give you all the details, but Mo Adu joins us here, and it's a obviously a guy who can, who uh, could tell us about LAFC local local soccer product, and a guy who has also been recently calling Philadelphia games and there's a connection there. So you were the perfect guest. Thanks for joining us. 
Of course, man. Of course. Looking forward to it. And I'm glad you didn't forget about the game that we called together when you got your ring. That would be that would be a catastrophe if you forgot about that game. You've been with Costigan. I've been with Dunseth. So uh, how, how has the uh, the Apple TV run been going for you? Uh, for me, just it's starting to get in the rhythm. I was a little rusty at the beginning. Now I'm starting to feel pretty good and getting to travel to so many great ports of call here in Major League Soccer. It's been good. You know, Keith is someone that I've known for a while um, and I've been calling games with pretty, I would say, outside of outside of when I was doing games in Atlanta and consistently doing games with Kevin Egan. I think Keith was probably the person right after that that I'd called the most games with. So it was kind of uh, just kind of just getting back on that bike. Right. And fortunately, we have a pretty good cadence and a good understanding of, of one another. And it's been good. We've enjoyed it. Um, obviously, looking to continue to grow and get better, but ultimately, so far, it's been good, and we've and we've enjoyed the the way things have come across. Oh, you guys have been great. Very professional broadcast. I know Vince would agree. Oh yeah, I love I love Keith and Mo. You guys you guys do a great job. It's a good uh, interplay between uh, Keith's ability to also an- analyze the game and handing off to you. I think you guys do do always do a great job. And it was great that you were on the Philly Toronto game because. We brought you here, Mo, to talk about the rematch. Uh, not the—I mean, it is the rematch of MLS Cup final, but I like to call this the the Moa Do Derby because you hold a special <laughs> place uh, for us here at LAFC as as a plus one, and obviously attest to uh, being there for Max's ring ceremony. But obviously, you were uh, known more so uh, towards the end of your MLS career as a as a Philly guy. So you are the best person to talk to about what we have coming up, and this is going to be solely focused on the two legs of the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal, LAFC versus Philly. Mo, my first question for you is, and I'm curious because a lot of people are very excited about this. I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. It's a semifinal chance of getting a final. But how do you feel about rematches? Are you a rematch guy? Some people hate them. Some people love them. Oh, why Why? Why would you hate them? I think it's it's a great scenario for either yeah, team. Vince. If you're the winning team. If you're the winning team, you know, I think it's – it's a chance for you to kind of assert your dominance again, right? Show that it wasn't a fluke. Um, you'll know that the the opponent coming into that game has a chip on their shoulder. They have, they have a point to prove. They want to show that in the last match they got things. Things didn't go the way that they were supposed to go. So, um, so from that standpoint, if you're the winning team, there's that there's that motivation. And then obviously, if you're the team that didn't get the result of the last game, the motivation is clear. You were trying to avenge something. Albeit a lot of times that rematch game comes in a different scenario, different competition. Maybe it's a league game as opposed to a playoff game, or it's a league game instead of a championship game. This time it's CCL instead of MLS Cup. But I think for the union, of course, they're gonna they're gonna. I think they've been unapologetic about saying that this is where they've kind of this is a competition they've prioritized at the start of the season, and now it's a game against LAFC, and they've had that kind of circled on their on their calendar and they're looking forward to that match i, I i'll defend myself i am just familiarity breeds contempt and sometimes the games they get a little bit maybe too too chippy for me uh because the teams know each other too well but these two teams regardless the their styles are obviously going to come come to head and it's going to be chippy regardless but that that's my me defending myself sorry it's it, it's okay, okay Vince. hey but mo do you think <laughs> it'll be do you think it would be an attractive game? Because the last time they played, it was arguably the greatest MLS game ever played. They've both played. They're both playing very well right now, which makes it very dangerous for LFC. You saw the game over the weekend. I would also add uh, the Philly game in the second leg over Atlas was really impressive. That's how you you go out and do it. But do you, do you think stylistically 
Uh, it would cater to uh, uh, an attractive open game. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I mean, did you watch MLS Cup? Right? Like, <laughs> I, I, did you watch MLS Cup? Did you watch any of the previous games between these two teams? It's 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 been one of the – it is a rivalry, right? It's It's a rivalry at this point in time. And it's a rivalry because of – because of the similarities between the two teams, but then also because of the differences between the two teams being on different coasts. Um, then, then the fact that you look at the last five years, I think these two teams have had the most points in terms of regular season points. You look at the way the teams are constructed two co- two contrasting styles, uh, styles of play as well. Similarities in terms of you have two young American managers who are exceeding and, and doing well. And then, I think the ambition, although, as I said before, the teams are constructed in different ways, the ambition is there from both clubs. And, and But then if you just now focus solely on what actually happens on the pitch, the games have been crazy, right? The last four results have been all draws. I mean, MLS Cup, obviously, LAFC wins in a penalty kick, but through regular time, every single, the last four matches have all been draws. And so there's not much between these two teams. So to your question, yeah, I think this is going to be not just an exciting game, but an exciting draw home or in Philly, in LA, both games are going to be high state games. You have two teams coming into this match in good form. Philly getting that 4-2 win against Toronto. And it actually could have been a lot worse than that. Um, That first half was Philly back to being at their best. LAFC get a result in a tough place in Nashville. And they had a chance to rotate their squad. I won't say rest players because that 11 they still put out is one of the best in the league, right? Like you would look at that 11 and say, Okay, that's a normal lineup for most that you know, that's a strong, strong lineup. So I won't say they had a chance to rest players, but they had a chance to rotate their squad in preparation for that match. So I think things are aligning at the perfect time in terms of LA LAFC, they start off the season hot. They're continuing that. Buanga is a freak of nature. And then Philly coming into form at the right time and at and at home. I think that's a key part of this of this matchup and this draw is that they're going to get a chance to play at home um, in the first leg. Potentially that could be a benefit for them. Maybe not. But I think when you look at the last, the last week for them, they had, I think it was like three, three matches in eight days and all three were on the road. So it's been an interesting start to the season for the union. And so the timing of this, being able to play two games back to back at home, I think is a, is a good situation for them going into this match. Can I just follow up? And Vince, you can a- answer this as well, because when we think of CONCACAF Champions League, it's MLS versus League MX. That's the sweet spot. But we have this unique matchup here where, as we've you've pointed out, you have these the two best teams in MLS the last couple of years. It doesn't mean they were going to meet in the semifinals, but they both did, and they, they do it pretty clean. And now we have this very special matchup, which, to be perfectly honest, we don't have enough in MLS. We don't have these games go, you look on the schedule and go, that we've got to watch. Now, this is not an MLS game, but if it was, you would watch because of everything that's happened. So uh, just from a neutrals perspective, this is a game that you really should tune in. Yeah, you would, maybe some folks, oh, I wish it was Atlas. But with that game, and we talked about stylistically how good it was, and just the familiarity, uh, this is... It's going to come really quickly on Wednesday, so it's, it may not be able to get hyped up as much as we would like, but this is exactly what the league is looking for. Marquee teams, two different coasts, big-time players on both teams, a history where they don't really care for each other. They've played for the biggest prize, and now they're going to be playing for a biggest prize. I will also add, 
you could agree or disagree, that these are the best two teams remaining in the competition. Well, I think whoever wins here is going to win the whole thing. This could be famous last words, but you know, based on what I've seen in the tournament and based on what we've seen going back to last season, these are as as you know, maybe going back to when Toronto and Seattle were playing in MLS Cups together. This is close to kind of like a super team uh, phenomenon that we've had in the league. Am I overselling it? (laughs) No, here's what I was going to say. So the first thing that you said that caught me off guard was, you know, some people may have preferred it to be Atlas. Why? Why? I don't, I I, I didn't prefer that. It's a different test. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. But uh, just just like in the Champions League, like if it was like, if it was like Man City, Liverpool and semifinal was good. Maybe say, well, what was Man City? Mo, it's it's traveling. We love Philly cheesesteaks, but they wanted to go out there and uh, taste the uh, taste the food out there uh, in Mexico. As I said, I think that's I think it's travel. Travel was the main reason why they might have wanted Atlas. And this is a bit of an outlier too, because we I I honestly I've looked like we never get it. We've never had it in a CCL, not a not in a semifinal. It's usually one MLS team that makes it wrong. We have two very strong clubs. That's the other part of it. You're asking, have we not sold it enough? I think. I think when you take it, when you go back one round, this game was already starting to be promoted, right? People were already salivating at the prospect of these two teams. And when you saw the brackets start to align themselves and shape <laughs> up the way they're shaping up, and you start, you start doing your own, uh, playing out your own fantasy bracket of how things could look. This is the game that people would have earmarked and said, I want to see this. Um, especially if you're an MLS fan, if you're, if you're, if you're based in the States and you, you, you follow this sport, you know these two teams. You know what just happened in MLS Cup. You're like, I want to see that again in a competition where there's high stakes and these results have significance. So I don't think that this has been undersold. Can it, can it be sold more? Of course, that's, that's always a possibility. But I think people are ready. They're waiting. They're excited. They're anxious. There's, they're nervous. If you're a supporter of either side, you're nervous because this is a blockbuster kind of game. I think this is – this – and I don't want to step out of bounds here, but I think this is one of the biggest games in from a MLS standpoint in, in CCL, right? Like, I, I agree with you from that standpoint. I think that these are two of MLS's juggernauts. These are your, let's just be it's blunt, be what it is. These are your MLS Cup finalists, right? Your two teams that met in MLS Cup. So the defining game for our league, these are your two finalists. And here they are meeting in a semifinal with a chance to go on and win the competition and play in the club World Cup. Like that's incredible to keep to, for for a chance to keep CCL in our league as a have a champion coming from our league. I don't think you're wrong. I also agree, and I'm I'm probably biased in saying that I think that the winner of this will probably go on to win it all. But that being said, I think MLS is winning in this scenario because we're going to be well represented. Whoever makes it to the final, I I agree 100 with Mo, and I'll take it one step farther. I think this is good for Concacaf. Uh, I actually was yeah. playing soccer with uh, some friends last week, and uh, one of the guys said to me, "Oh, how is LAFC doing against Vancouver? That's not a league game." And I said, "No, no, no, it's Concacaf Champions League." And he said to me, "Yeah, I don't really follow Concacaf. Yeah. Let's be honest. Liga MX has dominated this competition. We've seen some great Liga MX versus Liga MX games. I, I can think back to yeah. like Monterrey versus Club America, uh, but we've never gotten this in MLS. And I think Concacaf's got to be for all the reasons Mo just laid out. They're like." Okay, MLS fans are gonna take this game very this matchup very, very seriously because of what it was in MLS Cup. And now maybe they'll understand what this competition can be in terms of uh, a Champions League for the whole region. So I, I agree with you, Mo, 100 percent But getting back to the game, I want to just key in on something you said leading up to it is Philly back at their best. 
when Philly is back at their best, what does that look like? Where you you called that game, they they were uh, electric in that first half, and it really could have been five six nothing, but they just they you know they took their foot off the gas because they probably looking ahead a little bit. They didn't need to to expend too much energy. But what is what is it that you see? What are the little things that they're starting to put together that maybe weren't there to start the season? Well, what does it look like? It looks like hell if you're an opponent because it's so in their front three they have three players who can who can make plays. They have a really good understanding understanding between Daniel Gazdag, um, Mikhail Ura, and and uh, Julian Carranza, which I think has been three players that I think were incredible signings. Right, Carranza was in Miami and they just couldn't find a way to get the best out of him. He comes to Philly, he's bought in, and Jim Curtin finds a way to now. I won't say take his game to a new level, but to showcase what his quality really is, what his potential really is. And there's still more to come from him, but what does it look like? Well, those three, they start the press and they have their cues. And when they are all in sync, when the ball turns over, they counter press, they win it back. They, they, they have an attempt on goal and then they get that second wave of attack. They keep the play alive. They just keep pounding you relentlessly um, with pressure. I think what's different what will make this game even more intriguing and what we kind of saw in, L- in MLS Cup is LAFC are not hell-bent on that they have to play through, like they have to play out of the bat or play through press. I think that they have different ways to combat teams that press and play a high tempo or play with a counter-pressing system. They have no issue playing a direct ball, winning a second ball, and starting their attack higher at the pitch. So that makes it intriguing. But what Philly did really well was they changed the point of attack really well. They got the ball wide. And because they play with two strikers, when they put balls in the box, it's not just helpless balls in the box. They always know that they have, whether it's Uwa and Carranza, or if Uwa's made a, a run into a wide channel, or Carranza's made a, a run to a wide channel, Gazag is so good at being a late runner. So they always have minimum two players attacking service in the box. And I think that was really difficult for Toronto to deal with, especially in the first half. I think Toronto defensively were really poor, though, anyway. They, they were pulled out of position consistently. Um, 1v1 duels, they lost a lot of those. Philly were scrappy in the midfield. That that diamond midfield they play is so compact. And so when the ball turns over, they get bodies to the ball so quick and especially at home. Um, it was an interesting game actually because there was a there was potential of a rain delay, weather delay. So some of the fans left, came back, and those who weathered the storm, I mean, they were they were rewarded with that because the performance from them was high tempo. Um you might look at the highlights and say, oh, well, it's a fluky first goal, oh, a little deflection on that goal. But if you watch the build up to the plays, no, they open them up. The first goal, you know, they play a ball into a channel. This is what I'm talking about with the the willing runners of Uwa and Carranza. And that's what kind of starts that play off because they have these guys who are daring and say, I'll chase what looks like a lost cause. The second goal, Carranza, it looks like the ball's going to go out of bounds for a goal kick. Uh, and Sean Johnson goes to make a play on it. Carranza gambles. He just takes a gamble and chases what looks like it's a dead ball, and he sh- he has no reason even going for it, and he's rewarded for it because he keeps the player. He wins the ball, puts the ball in the box, and like I said before, they always have numbers in the box and falls to the back post. Ooh, uh, deflection on the way in, but you make your own luck is what I'm getting at there, and I think they did a lot of that, and it starts with their press being collective. They're compact. Jim Curtin always talks about if their team, if the distance between their center backs and their strikers is between 30, 35 yards, then they're playing well. And you saw that consistently throughout that first half, especially. They also played close to their 
first choice team, which LAFC did not this weekend. You know, they did rotate players and they were able to get a result in Nashville. Uh, I, I, I'm curious to think, what were you surprised? Because, you know, the rule of thumb is, hey, you have a big international date Wednesday. Maybe you don't field your A team. It, it For me, it turned out to be good because they got such a great performance out of it. But it could still be viewed as a gamble. Uh, even though it was a Saturday game, a Wednesday game, there's still some time and both those games, you you don't have to travel. Uh, but still surprised that uh, Jim Curtin, who has rotated in this tournament, uh, that he came out with, you know, all the heavy hitters. I'm, I think initially that crossed my mind, but I think given their results domestically, I think it was so important for them to make sure that they got a result um, in the league, right? Because while they're doing everything that they needed to do in CCL and getting the results and the performances that they need there to advance to the semifinal match in the league, you don't want to start letting that gap get too wide. And now you're suddenly chasing, chasing points later on in the season. I think the other part too, was knowing that the CCL game, the first game is at home, getting back to making Subaru park, a place that teams hate playing teams, hate coming to play against the union I think that was so important. So putting out your best 11 and getting that that confidence and that kind of performance back reflected and representative of that group in that building, I think was important. And it bodes well for that semifinal match. Yes, they're going to have, they're not going to have um, the same amount of rest time as some of the starters from, from LAFC per se. But I think it was important for that group of players to get back to being confident at their best and especially in that building. So this is a trade-off, right? Like, what do you, you, you roll the dice in some scenarios. I think LAFC, again, I think they've done a good job with their rotations throughout the course of this campaign so far. And they have a deep, their squad's not as deep as it was last year, but I think what they have is it's just consistency, right? When you put, you put in Tillman for Cifuentes, the level doesn't drop, you know, you put in Palencia at right back or, or you put in, you know, whenever you plug and play, it's, the expectation, I think, from fans, from this group, from the players, from the manager, from everyone attached to LAFC is that nothing's changing. The end result is expected to still be the same, and that's three points. So that's we've seen that throughout the course of this campaign so far. So you kind of anticipated that was going to happen, especially when you're going to have two matches on the road back-to-back. There is a little bit more of an element of travel introduced into that scenario. So maybe it makes, it makes more sense from their standpoint to rotate. From Philly's standpoint, I think it was just about getting that that starting 11, playing at a high level again, playing and firing on all cylinders ahead of a ahead of what's going to be a really tricky match. If if we stay focused on LAFC and, and how they are going to have to play against Philly, the you know if everything keys from Philly up from the press and the counter press, and as you said, this LAFC team is okay playing over the press. Look, you you played in central midfield. Uh, you know how it is if a team is, is hell-bent on playing over a press, but that other team, a Philly team that has strong center backs, is just gobbling those up. It's like tennis. You're probably just looking. You're like, when am I going to get in the game? So what does LAFC have to do? I know they'll they'll probably have to vary it up. You can't always just play at the top. What do they have to do to not just – it's one thing to play over the press. It's another thing to then hold on to the ball and move your lines forward. What does LAFC have to do to keep it from going wrong in that instance? Well, I think what LAFC have is – and this might sound crazy because – the players that I'm going to compare them to are Insigne and Bernadeschi, but in whoever it is, if it's Opoku or, well, not, or Mbuanga or, or whoever else is playing in a wide area, I think 
and I also think the tactical setup is a little bit different too. LAFC or Toronto FC when they defended, they ended up defending in a four four two. So when they won the ball back, they have Insigne and Bernadeschi who are more central and are two players who'd rather come back to get the ball. Right? They're, they didn't have many players who look to get in behind and and stretch the field and make the field bigger. Um, whereas LAFC, they have that. They have players who want to get in behind, who have the legs to stretch the game, who are willing runners to stretch the game. And so the way that Philly plays in terms of their buildup, Kai Wagner on one side, he's going to get, he got up high, he got high up the pitch on that left-hand side against Toronto. Nathan Harriel had the freedom as well to get a little bit higher up the pitch. And there were some instances in that first half where Toronto FC won the back, walled the ball back and Philly had players high up the press. They played a couple passes through, but then that ball that you would expect to either now exploit that space and behind a fullback, there was no player to exploit that space. Whereas I think with LAFC, they had those players. So it's about, it's just managing the game. It's nothing that they haven't seen before. We saw we saw how it played out in MLS Cup, right? there. It's a, it's a little bit of a tug of war, right? Where you have two teams who have clear identities and strategies and tactics of how they want to go about the game. It's just about who sees at the moment, who's a little bit more polished, when the opportunity comes to exploit the other's weakness. I think Toronto FC let themselves down because they weren't sharp on the ball, especially in that first half. And when there were opportunities to exploit space in behind, whether in a wide area where you're dragging a center back into an area he doesn't want to be in, they didn't take advantage of that. So for LAFC, it's just about when they do have possession and they do play long, I'm not saying just pump it up the gut straight down the middle because Glezen and Elliott, they're going to eat that up. They'll, they'll feast on those kind of opportunities. But if there's space and not play a ball, if it's Ilya or it's Kellen Acosta hitting a blind ball into a wide channel and letting Buongo run onto that to try to draw out a center back and create a 1v1 scenario there, or if it's them playing those balls and now it's forcing the fullbacks of, of Philly to have to drop deeper and be a little bit more disciplined and now it changes the game up a little bit more. I'm so hyped up for this game. Mo, you've done – this is fantastic. And the the one – because I, I was listening to you and the one thing I also thought about – this how interesting it's going to be from the sidelines with Jim Curtin and Steve Trundolo. Cause Steve, we've talked to him and he says, we're going to win these games. And they have, they went to Costa Rica, three zip. They went to Vancouver, three zip. This is a different challenge. And I- I'm so curious to see what the, what the, how the managers approach it. And obviously uh, with two legs, this, it may sound a bit cliche, but it is what it is. You've got to really protect your home court and see what you could do. There's a benefit for LAFC with the second leg, but I guess you got to be careful here about uh, Philadelphia's ability to maybe punish you where Vancouver and Alawalense were not. Would you expect maybe LAFC? I mean, there's not going to be a different approach, but in some areas to be a little bit more um, conservative, perhaps uh, more traditional like teams would be in a big semifinal. This is the semifinal when you're on the road. I don't, I won't use the word conservative. I would just say you have to be clever. You have to manage the game, right? You, you know what you're getting yourself into. As you said, it's a semifinal and it's not a one-off occasion. It's a, it's a two leg affair, right? So you have to be calculated when you take your risk. Um, And I think we've seen that from LAFC. This is a team, a group of players who, through their experiences collectively, especially in that in last year's campaign to win MLS Cup, you saw that. You saw how they learned how to manage games, whether it's home or away, right? There's different ways that you go about that. Sometimes you're managing the game by just possessing the ball a little bit more, forcing teams to have to come out of their shell and then exploiting them in those moments. 
The other part is you have superheroes on your team. You have guys who can change the game in an instance, you know, the likes of Buwanga, the likes of a Carlos Bella, who we haven't, I don't know how we haven't mentioned his name thus far in this conversation. Um, but, but you have players like that. You have defenders who can chip in with goals. Ryan Hollingshead had six goals last year, right? He's already got a couple this year, I think as well. You have people who can put in good service on set pieces, the likes of Kellen Acosta. So there's different ways that you can find avenues to create advantages. It's not just solely in the run of play. It could be dead ball situations. Um, so with that, I would say, no, I, I wouldn't expect them to be conservative, but I would expect them just to be calculated. LAFC, I think one of the things they pride themselves on is, is being who they are, right? And with that, there's an adaptability to it because you have to be able to make changes in-game. Part of that relies on the shoulders of Steve Chirondolo, but I think they are more so a team who wants to go out there and be themselves and force other teams to adapt to them as opposed to being reactive. Um, there are obviously, obviously in soccer, football, there is a reactive element to it, but I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect much in terms of a change in tactics or a change in approach. I think as soon as you do that, you start to show fear and you show that you're more. And I think as soon as you let that be shown teams, they get a snip of that. They sense a little bit of blood in the water and they go for the kill. And Uwa is informed man, uh, man of the match day hat trick Carranza. He was unfortunate not to get a goal. Daniel got like they have some guys who can really take advantage of moments and are hungry and are relentless. So we are in for a true treat tomorrow night. That's all I gotta say. I can't wait to watch this one. But I, and I was watching I the Jack- be there. Oh man, I, I we, we should have gone and we could we wanted to go with McCarthy and, and see where we should go to get a cheesesteak. Um do you have you have experience in that? Did you ever go to cheesesteak in your time there? Yeah, I used to go to the spot called Jim's, which so I was just. It's always a guy's name, <laughs> or, or someone's Jim's, name. Yeah, Pat and Gino's, all the yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but apparently, it was burned down the reopening, so I didn't get a chance to have one this past past weekend. But well, yeah, McCarthy. that's another storyline right there, McCarthy, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and, and Andre, and look, when we talk about McCarthy, we got to talk about Andre Blake because he was on the <laughs> he was the best goalkeeper in this league, and it didn't go well for him. So, I mean, just fascinating if it gets to that point where, once again, there's nothing separating these two clubs, which is the track record, as you said earlier. There's nothing separating these clubs when they play. They're a, a perfect matchup. Uh, the only separation was a penalty shootout in MLS Cup in those four meetings. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think when you look at the you look at the lineups, you just, you're honestly, it's a coin toss in so many positions as to who, who are you choosing? You know, um, Andre Blake, for me, he's, he's here for me, right? Because I had a chance to to see his progress from like day one. Like I was there when he got drafted and to see him come in. And I mean, some of his traits were, were obvious, like his shot stopping ability, the guy, his ability to just to to read situations and then his spring, his his explosiveness to get out and make saves was incredible. But he had to buy his time, right? And he had to goalkeepers is such a weird position because it's not like you're making rotations all the time, and it's not like there's many opportunities. But you just have to be ready when that chance does come. And he did that. He's grown and he's gone from straight to straight. So I'm always I'm always rooting for him. I'm always excited to see him doing well and succeeding. Well, you, you, you kind of set it up perfectly because you said it's like a coin toss between a lot of these players. And we're going to end this interview putting you under pressure here, Mo. We're going to ask you to build 
a combined LAFC Philly 11. So it's no longer a coin toss. We're going to use your expert opinion here Ooh. and you're going to put it together. Uh, cause they, oh. look, we've, we've been circling around. We can help. We can help a little fill some gaps or yeah, we can, we can maybe overrule gaps, something. But, but really <laughs> what we've been saying this whole time is like, it's strength on strength and it really is hard to separate these two teams. So that's why we're forcing you to do it ahead of this two leg matchup. And, uh, just for people out there that, that might be screaming, well, they don't even play the same formations in a lot of ways though. It's, it's a back four. It's, it's, uh, three midfielders that are going to do a little bit of extra work and cover some ground and three attackers that are going to get a, get a press and then be expected to be there in the, in the finer moments. So I think we can do this in a way that has a little bit of symmetry. Um, we'll, we'll go back right, right. <laughs> where you, you say were. so. Yeah. We'll go back right where you were, uh, to that goalkeeper position. Uh, you've got Andre Blake, John McCarthy, obviously you've got the hero of MLS cup and a guy that's just been so consistent for so long. Where, where are you going? Yeah, I got to go with Dre. I got to go with Andre Blake. Um, the consistency, first of all, Philly is even competing in the East and winning the East last year and competing for supporters shield because of him, the amount of points that he earned them over the course of a season was incredible. I had him in my MVP race. I thought that he, he deserved to be in that conversation. So that one I'm going with, with him with Andre Blake and goal. Okay. So let's build out from the back. Let's start with your, with your center backs, who would be your center back pairing? Wait, by the way, I want to hear from you guys. If, if there's any debate on any of my choices. So any debate I, there? No, no debate. I think it'd yeah. be, it, it would be it, it would be tilted if we said John McCarthy, even as good as he was in that MLS Cup, because of the track record for Andre Break. I think that's a pretty clear. That's a body clear. of work is yeah. hard to argue with. Um, maybe maybe Johnny will get there someday. Goalkeepers have a longer shelf life, but as it, as it stands right now, uh, it's it. I mean, Andre Blake might be the greatest goalkeeper in MLS history. So yeah, there you go. Okay. So this next page, right? this next one's going to be a little more tricky, I think. Yeah, I think center backs is might. I don't know. You you can tell us when you're done, Mo. But I think center backs might be one of the toughest to pick. Which I is mean, weird. it's tough and it's it really is. And because we talk so much about the attacks from both teams, but because it's a coin toss for me between Jack Elliott and Jacob Glesnes. What I'm leaning toward is doing one from either team because I think in LAFC you have this. What? How many play four? Three that play pretty or that are in that true rotation, Aaron Long, Murillo, and Chiellini. So I'm gonna go. Oof. So from Philly, I'm gonna go with. Oh, this is tricky. I was gonna go with Glesnitz because he's, you know, you're the end of I'm gonna go with Jack Elliott. You know why? I played with Jack Elliott. So I played with Jack Elliott. Um he was a could have been the hero in that. MLS Cup, um, scoring, scoring off, you know, scoring goals in the game. I'm gonna go with Jack Elliott, and again, it's there's not much between. I don't think there's much between himself and Glesnick. They formed a good partnership there, so I'm gonna go with him, and I'm gonna go with. I mean, there's a claim to put both Philly guys there for for the reason you said because the for M, uh, LAFC rotate these guys a fair bit. Yeah, and they've all kind yeah. of split the burden. But the one, the one way we can't help you, Mo, is the flex that you had. We Max and I are not going to be able to say we played with so and so, so we're not going to be able to help you there. Not not one bit. So uh, I'm torn between Murillo and Aaron Long. What's wait? So Georgia, Georgia I was not lean. even in the conversation for you then at this point. This is and interesting. It's, it's, it's see, and now you're now you're making me want to reintroduce. I was leaning towards those two 
I would, a tricky one, man. I, I have, I'm spoiled for choice with options here. I would hey. lean into Murillo. I think he's been just be, kind of going back to last season because Aaron Long is still finding, I think, uh, his way. Although he's had some good performances. Did not play this past week. Did not travel this past weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still, I mean, there, I, if, should we uh, should we just slot in Mario? What do you think? Mario is underrated in this league, and I, I but that's why I actually like Mo that he was like top top of mind for you because I think as a as a player you look at someone like Mario and you see you see what a lot of people maybe miss um, because defenders don't get their credit in this league the way that they might they probably deserve. Yeah, I mean, that's so like I said, I was leaning I was leaning towards him anyway. Um, no disrespect to Chiellini. I think Chiellini makes pretty much any other team. But with this LAFC team, I'm I'm probably gonna go with I probably go with Murillo at this point in time. Okay. We got Murillo and Elliot. That's a good center back pairing. Okay, so fullbacks is I mean none of this gets really easier though per se because like you got Kai Wagner, Palacios. Uh, I think the right back maybe might be a little bit easier, but maybe not. I don't know. What what do you got left and right back? Right back, I'm going. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Hollingshead. Um, again, if you talk about body of work, I think over the course of his career in MLS, he's been incredibly consistent. I think last year, coming into a new team, put together a strong performance. I mean, six goals from as a right back. I think he offers you quality on both sides of the ball and could be pretty influential in how this game plays out. On the left-hand side... All I keep re-seeing in my head is that ball being played in the box for Bell to head it down and who played that ball. Um, But with that being said, Kai Wagner, I think, is is a pretty elite center back. Um, To balance things out, I'm going to go with Wagner on the left and I'm going to go with Hollington on the right. We get we yeah we we could do this through days worth of talking. So in order to maximize your time, we won't push you too hard on your selection. So you don't have to re-debate it in your head again. So let's move let's move to the midfield. And like I said, the even though they play with a diamond, technically four midfielders, they kind of it's similarly set up where you have more of like a six and two shuttlers. Um, so let's kind of fill it out that way. Um, who who would be your midfield three? The guys that are really going to be covering ground and and helping these teams push forward. So my six is really tricky, man, because they're they're different. I think Ilya's way is a lot more composed, a better uh, organizer. He's at safety valve in possession. Um, but in Martinez, you have a wild card because Jim Curtin just said the other day he thrives in chaos, and this game could be chaos. So for that reason, I'm going to lean towards Martinez being my six. Yeah. Okay. In front of him, oof, now it gets tricky because you got McGlynn, you got Bedoya. I'm probably going to have to slot Gazdag back into this conversation as well um, because I'm already visualizing who my front three might be. Ooh, okay. So it's good that you have one, you're going one step ahead here. Yeah, a lot of good eights out there in this yeah, game. Yeah. 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 So I'm sliding Gazdag back one. So I'm going to, I'm, okay. I'm going to go with him as one. And because he's playing in that eight ish, call it eight and a half. I'm giving him a little bit more freedom. So I'm playing a four, three, three. Sorry. Let me describe that first and foremost, four, three, three. So at the base of it is Martinez on one side. I'm going to go with Gazdag on the opposite side, because I'm giving Gazdag a little bit more freedom to be advanced. I need someone a little bit more disciplined 
So I'm going to go with Acosta instead of Cinfuentes. Okay. That makes, I mean, for that reason, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Look, look at Mo balancing his team, like a, like a manager over here. Trying to man, trying to, I just, you know, if it wasn't God's like, then it might've been a completely different balance in that midfield. Cause I might need two who are a little bit more willing to get mm-hmm. forward. But yeah, for that reason, I'm going to go with Kellen there. Okay. Instead of Sifu, probably yeah. controversial, but it is what it is. Now my front three. Yeah, you alluded you alluded to this. You already thought about it, and this might answer the question that everyone keeps asking about LAFC. That is like my pet peeve: is do they need a nine? So, are you using a nine in your front three? I am. I'm gonna have. So the only only part that was tricky for me was: do I let that nine be Carranza or do I let it be uh, Mikael Uwa? And I'm gonna go with Uwa. It's coming off a hat trick. It's hard to not. It's hard to leave my other team. It's coming off a hat trick on opposite sides of him. I'm going to go with Vela and, and Buanga. I think but, that team right there is pretty solid. That's a good team. Plenty solid. Yeah. Any debate Any debate from you guys? <laughs> um, the number six choice is very tricky because they're so important yeah. to their clubs. And I, I just think uh, there's, a, there's that's that similarity. I mean, that's always a very important position for most clubs. But I think with Philadelphia and LFC, that really is – the the metronome that is mm-hmm. where it gets it going. So it's you're gonna you're gonna ruffle some feathers with us. some of our LAFC uh, fans here, but uh, I think uh, it, it, they'll understand. The center backs are where you're splitting hairs, right? Because there's so many good ones, as you said. Um, it's a it's a, it, it's, a it's a really good d- discussion. To for Max's that point, the six is the one where like people might be upset, but that's where you have like I feel like that's where you have the biggest choice in the in the fact that like you said, it's two very different players. So it really is like what you want to choose and how you want to set up your team to attack or defend. So I like, I, I love your team. I, I, I don't envy you having to do this, but I'll tell you what that team, if that way, that team did in fact exist, whoever was on the other, whoever's on the other side of bracket, I don't care. It is club America, Monterey. Obviously it's Tigres and, and Leon. No chance. There's no chance that yeah. a league MX team is beating that team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with you. The, the, the hardest choice for me was because I love, I absolutely love Ilya as a player. I think his, Soccer IQ. I feel like the guy never has to do much running because he just reads plays three, four plays in advance. Um, again, I, the only reason that I went with Martinez is because, well, one, I'm going to, I'm just factoring in that I'm letting guys that have freedom to just roam a little bit more. So I think Martinez can cover more ground. Um, and then because I think this game could be a chaotic type of environment. And that's an environment that I think he thrives in. But but that also was part of my concern. I, I look at Iliad, I don't ever see him getting sent off in a match. Martinez, there's that wild card, but I'm I'm willing to roll the dice a little bit, I guess I would say. But I would I would agree. That's probably the one position that I really was like. I know I said it's a coin toss in other position, but that one truly is because I mean what you get from Ilya is true leadership as well. Damn, now I'm like talking myself out of it. <laughs> Stick with your, talking, as they always I'm say, go with your first, into go with your gut feeling the first time. If you switch things around, that's where it gets a little hairy. But it's going to be a, a yeah. fantastic evening. Like, we can't wait for it. This is it, folks, for MLS fans. Uh, this is the game that if you're a neutral too, you tune in. And we know LAFC and Philadelphia fans are very nervous. This is a huge date for them. First leg is Wednesday. I believe it's 6 o'clock local time. And it's going to be FS1, if I'm not mistaken. So you check that out. And then the second leg is on Tuesday at BMO Stadium. Maybe we can get you out there for a mo. We'll, we'll we'll set you up in the suite. Good living. Hey, 
hey, let me know. I'll, I will make the trip. I'll be out there. And the more that I'm sitting here thinking about it, guys, I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards Ilya. So who knows? TBD, TBD. But yeah, I definitely, let's put I definitely it. We'll call it Ilya Martinez. We'll do a, a, I like a hybrid it. player. Go. A hybrid player would be there great. You go. We pre- hey, Mo, we appreciate you. This was an awesome discussion, and I know it's going to get people charged up for it, which is exactly what we want to do. So uh, enjoy enjoy the road out there with Costigan as well, man. Uh, we yeah, really, where are you, uh, where are you off to the league's weekend, better man? with you. Where are you off to this weekend? I appreciate that. Uh, we have Columbus versus – in Columbus versus Miami. Oh, I, I just get to call the game. That, yet, so that'd be kind of I, cool. Oh, it's amazing. It's really, really impressive. But Dunseth made us walk back to the hotel to prove a point that it was close, but it was still a mile away. And I go, I don't want to walk a mile. No, I'm not doing that. At 10 o'clock at night <laughs> with my that. bag, with my computer in it. So I go, thanks for making that point. Oh. It's I see it's close to downtown, but let's let's take a ride next time. There will be no points being proven in our scenario. <laughs> promise Good you Good man. Mo, we'll see you out there very, very soon. Uh, Mo Adu covering the MLS for uh, – Apple TV, and you can see him on so many platforms. And you can see him here today, and that brings us to an end to another Inside LFC MVP podcast. I'm Max and Vince. Make sure you rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend, and we will see you out at the stadium, or we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>